because the person in this conversation that says less wins because the person who's saying less isn't saying any numbers. sunshines and welcome to bad bitches make their beds i am michaela myers host and i'm happy that you're here new old listener doesn't matter i am freaking happy that you're here today i love this episode we get into it with emily tackle talking about salary negotiation how to freaking kill your interviews how to talk about salary before you even accept a job how to get into career development all of those things which is amazing because this is right next to international equal pay day which i think is really important matter to discuss and i think emily does a great job of offering golden nuggets that i've never heard of and never thought about so take a listen i'm actually you're already listening so i'm happy you're here and let's get to it let's move on to interviews i hate this topic i hate interviews To be honest, I've never had a formal interview pretty much ever in my life, like maybe one um, where I've had to like wear full blazer and I know you've had a million. So, and like, you've had really scary experiences. (laughs) Let's, let's walk through like interview tactics, how to prepare, um, obviously keeping it semi, semi brief. We don't need to dive into every single question, but. Yes. Some quick hits on interview prep, uh, prep. So do your research on the company do your homework. This is important. Don't go in there not knowing what the company sells, what the company's mission is. You don't need to be able to recite that back to them, but be aware, understand kind of what they're about. And you should probably have clicked on about every one of their pages on their website. So you, that, that to me says that you've done your research, just so you've had visibility to everything that they kind of have to offer to the public eye. Uh, my interviews have all been panels. And so I've had a panel interview of five different folks. I've had smaller panels, but in both of the jobs and then the internship opportunities I've had, it's always been a group of people. I'm going to speak to the panel, the, the big, the big bopper first. So those are something you need to go in prepared for. Like I said, do your research Um, specific things, questions that I would say, spend some time nailing down your answer, strengths and weaknesses, your value proposition. So strengths, for example, are you a good communicator? Are you reliable? Are you punctual? What certifications do you have? What, um, and that probably is more relevant for Michaela's major and um, different roles that she's had, but I have found that different trainings that I've taken, I've brought that up as strengths, different programs that I am fluent in. Um, Your weakness answer is important. And I know that's something everybody always stumbles on. It's like, what do I say is my weakness? Because everybody wants to cover it up as something that's like actually a strength, a weakness that I've told probably Michaela and honestly, all of my friends, I always use this one is saying something along the lines of, you know, this wouldn't necessarily be a weakness, but something I'm always striving to work on is my listening skills, because I really want to understand the point of view of the person I'm talking to or the functional role that I'm interacting with. And that just basically sums it up, puts a bow on it. I've never gotten feedback that that was a bad weakness. Mic drop. If you want to copy paste that. I will say, 
I will say don't lie about like don't try to make it a lie either like I think what's what's more respectable is somebody that's like so for my weakness I've used that um I have a more dominant personality but I turn it down in group settings so one of my weaknesses is that I'm trying to one of my weaknesses I'm always trying to work on is to get everybody's perspective before forming my own opinion on any matter um so I say that's a weakness because of like a personality trait I have. I don't know. Like I use that, but I word it better. I can't think of the wording now. No, I, I want to pull out something that Michaela just said. Cause I said it too. I want to work on that's showing that you are actively aware of this as your weakness. It's also showing that you're self-aware that you're actively aware and you're working on it. That's, that's going to be huge to right. whoever you're interviewing. Right. Like you don't need to take something and be like, Oh, one of my weaknesses is that I'm I'm always too early. Like you don't need to make it. Dumb. I work 90 hours a week. I don't sleep. I don't work too to. hard. Yeah. We don't need the weaknesses like that. Make it true and say that you're working on it. And if you're not work on, working on it, like maybe fucking work on it. Um, yeah. But I agree with them. Like the fact that you're self-aware and the fact that you're actively trying to work on it, that makes you respectable as opposed to somebody saying, oh, I work too much. That's my weakness. Or I don't have any weaknesses. Keeping trucking with the how to prepare for the interview. Something else is you need to have your elevator speech. You need to, the first thing they're going to ask you every interview, I guarantee they're going to ask, tell me about yourself. And this isn't a time to read off your stats. Again, they have your resume in front of you. They know your first and last name. Tell them about why this is your opportunity to sell yourself. Tell them why you are the best candidate for this. What experiences pertain, what experiences that you've had in your past that makes you the best candidate for this role. That's what this opportunity is. I will say you have to work on this too. You can't just pull this out of your butt. That's not going to work. Like you have to have your elevator speech down. And that's something that you should write down. You should practice in front of a mirror. You should practice with other people to make it more natural when you do get to your interview. Yes, I absolutely agree. Because it is something you know they're going to ask. So let's be prepared. Let's be proactive, not reactive, friends. That's actually the one question that always gets me is, and I should know by now, but like, as you know, I haven't had that many interviews. I'll be like, tell me about yourself. And I'm like, what? It's like an imposter um, syndrome moment. You're like, yeah. Who am I? But I think it is, like you said, it's an important moment to relate relate your personality and why you want to work there. Like, oh, tell me about yourself. Oh, I'm really passionate about exercise physiology. I love helping people make a better quality of life and, and improve their quality of life through exercise. That's something that I'm passionate about. And I know that that aligns with your company. I'm from Dyersville, Iowa. That's always brought me whatever, you know? That was beautiful. Hire her. Thank you. Wonderful. So after your elevator speech, they're going to probably all look at each other, nod, smile. You might have one small moment of talking about something not relative to the job. Say you said you were a sports fan, whatever. There might be a little moment for you to create a connection. That's really important. I don't want to, I can't stress enough. Creating some sort of connection with the interviewees is really, really important. And it will do nothing but reap rewards in the end. Because it could be the thing that they remember you for if they're interviewing 50 people that day. So so beyond like, obviously talking about the questions isn't going to be super relevant in this scenario because every job's different, every you know, majors different, every profession's different, but how, would you say that there's any questions that you've been asked that either like threw you for a loop that are general questions? I would say 
the tell me about a time questions are really hard for everybody. They're really hard for me because they're pretty hard to predict. And the the hardest one that I've probably ever been asked was something along the lines of, tell me about a time when you had an issue with somebody who you had to work with directly every day. And that gives you the opportunity to say how you resolve that as well. Because you want to answer this in a way that restates the question, because that buys you a little time when you're answering it, also lays out the scenario, and then all then takes time to walk through the conclusion or how you've moved forward from that. That's what they want to see in that answer. Those are hard to predict, but there's a lot of different resources online. Google questions on this. Be prepared, uh, but be thinking about different things that have popped up either in college, in different classes, times that um, you've had in your internship, write these down prior so that you're ready and you have some examples rolling around in your brain. I would say I was also asked that question in terms of communication style. So um, I think communication, if you're looking at a full-time job and you're interviewing for a full-time, maybe even an internship, like a hardcore one, communication is a big thing. So I have also been asked, tell me about a time that you um, miscommunicated with a higher up and how you handle that situation. So I completely agree. Maybe that is a general question that everybody needs to know. So good looking out. All right, Em, you finished the interview. Interview's done. Last last thing, what are, we, what are we doing? So we're asking for the job. You are asking for the gig at the end of the interview and you're thanking them. You're saying, thank you so much for your time today. I do just want to take this moment to tell you how excited I am about this company, how big of an asset I think I would be um, in this role. And I really think I would knock this out of the park. I've never done that in any interview. So that's very good. It's, it's a ballsy move, but I can't express how important it is. It is, if you forget anything I've told you today, that is number one on my list. Ask for the gig. And then after you leave that interview, do whatever you have to do to get the email of all of the people that listened to that interview who were in that room. I don't care what you have to do. If you have to ask the secretary when you walked in, the, the names of who interviewed you, you are writing them a follow-up email within 24 hours. I wanna give you some time in the sense of like, say you it was an overnight thing or you know, it was a long drive or whatever. But as soon as you can get in front of a computer and send an email, you are. And you're stating again that you think you would be the best candidate for this role. You're re-emphasizing wanting that job because they're not going to pay you. They're, they have a lot of options. And so they want to make sure that they're picking someone who also wants to be picked. Yeah, I actually, I just learned um, one of my friends, Cassidy, shout out Cassidy. She told me this good piece of advice that I think is relevant here. She also had a panel interview and she said while she was interviewing, she picked up little personal tidbits about every single one of the interviewers and wrote them down. So that when she thanked every single one of those interviewers, she added in that personal tidbit, like, hey, you know, go Eagles, like something, something personal, try to write that down and remember it and send that in the thank you, any sort of connection, send that. I love that. That's awesome. Go Cassidy. Go Cassidy. All right. You're, we're done with the interview. We got the job, but now we have to negotiate salary. They say, um, how much are you looking to, I hate this question. You know, I do, you know, I'm not good with negotiating salary, which is why you're here. Um, if they say, 
how much are you looking to make or like whatever the question is, how do you answer them? I know you're good at it. Um, the first thing I'm going to say is you never want to be the first person to say the number because that sets the tone for the entire conversation. You are now moving from that number and below. So my response to that would be what's the typical range at your company for that position, given my experience, because you're putting that ball in their court because you want them to say the number first. So they come up with the number. It wasn't exactly what you thought, or it was um, exactly what you made in your prior job. Never go into that conversation without doing your research. I know I'm giving everybody a lot of homework assignments, but it's really important because I want you to get that bag. And to get that bag, you got to go on Glassdoor. You need to go on Payscale. You need to look at the nation av- the national average for whatever role it is. If you're a marketing specialist, look at what the average is for what the national average is. Look at what the average is in your state and have those numbers readily available and readily available to send directly to whoever you're negotiating with. You have those links in an email ready to send to them. That's one method. Another thing, another th- would be, Say you are interviewing at a lot of different places, which you probably are, and you have another another offer on the table. That would be your opportunity to say, you know, I have another offer on the table that I'm considering, but I really want to work for you. I want to work for this company. I believe in what you guys are doing here, and I want to see if you guys can work with me on this. And then again, I'm putting the ball in their court. Because the person in this conversation that says less wins because the person who's saying less isn't saying any numbers. That's something I actually saw this. This sounds so stupid, Em, but you know, I know you're on the TikTok. I saw a TikTok about this because TikTok is a wealth of knowledge for any subject. Oh my gosh. Um, Just Google that. Just type in the hashtag in TikTok negotiation, negotiation. Yeah. There's so many good ones. Um, I, the exact thing you said about if they ask you how much you, you want to make, you can even say, what is your budget for this position? Like what is within your company's budget for this position? Like that's a good way of saying exactly what you said. So we talked a little bit how to negotiate salary when you're getting your first job. What about when you're in your job and you want a promotion or you want to raise? Yes. So say it's your performance review time and it's time for you guys to sit down and have a compensation talk, you and your manager, whether that be you are ready to talk about an increase or it's, you know, a conversation that happens annually with your company. I know I have performance reviews where that's a topic of conversation. Typically they come right after Q4 because the company's books are balanced. And so they know or have a guesstimation of what they're going to make in the next year and what their budget kind of looks like. I have an example to use uh, to set up this scenario. Say that you are a product manager and you've done your research, like I've emphasized, and you found out that these are all made up numbers, but you're currently getting paid 85,000. And you found out through research that the national average is 95,000. You know, this is your opportunity to talk about how much money have you made this company? How many direct reports do you have? Do you have people who directly report to you? Go ahead, Emily, and share the quote that you wrote down. I think it's really important. And people can take this quote, write it down, and use this in a sort of transaction when talking about salary negotiation. If you're trying to um, move up in your career, get a promotion, all of the above. Here is the quote, Emily. Hit it. 
So the nation's average for a product manager salary is 90,000 and 95,000 in Iowa. Now I believe I've performed this role in an above average capacity, specifically earning X amount of sales for the company last quarter, obtaining X certifications. Um, I've taken on additional responsibilities. I've been a yes person. I have three direct reports. With that in mind, I'm thinking more uh, around the 100,000 range. Do you have budget for that? And that's where they're either going to say, yes, we do. We value you. We can make that work. Or they're going to say, we don't have that, but we can do 98. Does 98 sound fair to you? That's a good, that's very applicable. I love that. That, that was just like, that was perfect. And I think it's going to be individualized based off of your job um, and whatnot. But I think finding the national average and the state average is a great way and a great place to start. What if they say there's no wiggle room? Because that actually, yeah, no wiggle room is very common for them to say. So, so when they say there's no wiggle room, you need to take a moment if this is like news to you. I would go into this conversation making it so this isn't news to you. So you're prepared for this. So if they say, hey, there really isn't any wiggle room. We just got out of a pandemic. We can't, we can't do that right now. Say, think of other things that the company can give you that will make you like your job more or make it make you feel more valued is probably the better way to say it. Did you enjoy working remotely during COVID? Do you want to continue that? This is your opportunity to ask for that. Do they offer some sort of reimbursement for a gym membership, but for some reason your situation is excluded? Ask how that can be included. Things of that nature. Ask if you want an adjusted schedule. Say you work best in the nighttime. You want your schedule, instead of being eight to five, you want it to be nine to six. I know people in what I do now have adjusted schedules and that's part of negotiating. You want to get off early every Friday. The list goes on and on, but those things don't cost the company anything, but man, could it bring a ton of value to you, to your day to day? I've never thought of asking. That's a great point. I've literally never thought of asking that. I would never, even if you went into a negotiation and you got more than you dreamed of, you got more than you even thought that they would offer you, you're going to ask for something. And that is my best practice. This is your opportunity probably once or twice a year to ask for something. So you better because the worst they can say is no. I mean, you and the fact of if you're just not scared of them saying no, you will go leaps and bounds. You'll get so, so many great things passed your way. Even when we talked about that Karen example at the beginning of this, what gives me the confidence to go speak to your manager is because I'm not scared of them saying, nope, there's nothing we can do. Okay, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. That was all super helpful. I think especially like for women out there too, making less than men in the same roles, like that's another issue. And even if there's no quote unquote wiggle room, like make your life easier by asking for those things. Um, Whatever you want, ask for it because you're absolutely right. The worst thing that they're going to say is no. And just one thing, because another area of passion the men, women debate. When you go into that conversation, if you know that a gentleman who's doing the exact same work as you is getting paid more than you, when you go into that conversation with your boss, you're making that about you. This isn't an emotional conversation. This is talking about your compensation. This isn't about what James Jr. down the row makes. You know, good for him. I'm glad that he asked for $10,000 more than me. 
but you know, the average actually is $20,000 more than both of us. So I'm going to go ask for that. You have to take the emotions out of it. And that's really hard. I'm a sensitive Sally. So (laughs) it is something I have to put a sticky note in front of me that says sensitive Sally is out of office. Yeah, no, you're, you're right though. It should be about your performance, your work, how you are valued as a, as a employee and using those average and using data rather than emotion is always going to do better. So I'd love real briefly, cause we're running out of time and would love to talk about co- career development experiences to seek while in your job. Um, I don't know what the best practices is for this, for me as an exercise science and, and, you know, clinical exercise physiologist, my career development is going to look a lot different than yours, but is there a way that you can ask for career development? Maybe um, something that you've learned along the way? Yeah. So something to ask about would be like a mentorship program. And if your company doesn't offer a mentorship program, ask your boss if you could carve out an hour a week to meet with somebody who's in a role that you really like, that you're interested in, that you want to learn more about. And even if that's a no, ask that role or that person that you want to have as your mentor, ask them out to lunch, take them out to out to lunch once a month, you know, lunch on you because it will reap, it will reap rewards in the end. So yeah, you got, you might have to shell out 30 bucks to treat somebody to lunch, but it could get you so much farther ahead. And that just continues the conversation about networking. And when you're looking for a mentor, pick somebody who's leaps and bounds as far as roles or job titles kind of ahead of you because you want to learn what experiences they had to get them to that place and they're also going to just be another person to kind of add to your repertoire of folks that you can call on that can be your advocate you want as many people cheerleading you as possible I love that. I think that that's a great idea. And from from my perspective, you utilizing and asking about what resources your company offers for development. So for me, what kind of development am I getting as a clinical exercise physiologist? Because I have that certification, but what are you going to help me learn? So we at, at my company that I work at, thankfully, they give us a really nice stipend that can be used on tons of different things, conferences, textbooks, certifications, anything. And I think it's important to ask for that and utilize that because essentially it's free money. It's free money and it's free knowledge that you're getting um, because that stuff takes money and time and effort. So I think if you're willing to, and it also shows initiative as well. So wins all the way around. Absolutely. And if, you know, your company won't pay for the certifications or the conferences or whatever, and they don't have a mentorship opportunity, just ask if you can spend some time shadowing other roles that you're interested in. You know, you might have to work a few long hours to get all of your work done, but if it's important to you, make it a priority. Yes, yes, yes. And that's really all we have about career development. I thank you so much, Emily, but I have one more question for you that I ask every single guest. Are you ready? I think I'm ready. I'm buckled in. Buckle in. Okay. I want to ask you what habits do you do daily that make you feel like a bad bitch? Because you know, this is called bad bitches make their beds. So I want to know daily habits that you utilize that make you feel good. Any habits that you do, drinking water, go to the gym, getting eight out. What, what do you do? Daily habits that make you feel like you're the best version of yourself. You know, I get up at the same time every day. I get my, I get eight hours of sleep. Yes. Yes. Queen fill my body with good things. I'm part rabbit. I love a good lettuce moment. I run. I know that not everybody's into that. Michaela and I are totally opposite in the workout department, even though she's could run a marathon at one point, which I never could shameless plug to Michaela. I work out every day because endorphins are the best thing on earth and they make me a better me. 
I consistently check up on my friends. I would say that makes me feel like a bad bitch because the people I care about, I'm an only child, are really important to me. And I want to make sure that they are feeling loved by Emily Tackle. Yay. Well, thank you so much for coming, Emily, for being on the show. I know there was a lot of really good golden nuggets in there that I can't wait for everybody to hear. And I know I sure learned a lot. I'm really excited that this episode is coming out the Sunday after the International Equal Pay Day. Um, I think it's really important that everybody acknowledges that on, on average women earn 82 cents for every dollar that a man earns. That was done in 2019, so it very much could be a little bit different, but that's crazy. Like, are you kidding? So this episode is important. Take that information and go ask for more money if you deserve it. And I say if you deserve it, as in if you're not working super hard and you're not doing a great job, I don't know if you deserve it. That's up to you. That's relative. But I think it's important to just talk about these things and just get these things out, um, especially because of how much this affects women of color. That's, it's insane. Like 82 cents for every dollar is an average, but women of color are much less than that. And that is disgusting. So I think that we have a lot of work to do in this area. And this episode is a great place to start. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns about that, please, please, please message me at BBMB podcast on Instagram. Okay, before I let y'all go, you know I gotta do it. Hit them with a let me put you on segment. M offered such great advice, but when I asked her about new artists to look up or the song of the day, I can't deny that I didn't vibe with her choices and that's okay. Music is a relative thing. I got in an argument with somebody about this. They said, no, this music is the best. And I'm like, no, there's not really a universal way to describe music. Like, yeah, there's awards and there's, you know, mainstream and everybody likes this person, but it's all relative, man. Like it's all subjective. That's why when I give you um, these new artists to look up, this is just my taste. And I'm hoping that I can hit somebody of every genre for everybody. So sorry, Em, love you. Just was not about to put Iggy Azalea on here. I can't, I can't have that be on my brand. So new artist to look up for me is Kevin Abstract. We love him. He lives inside my soft boy rap playlist because that is exactly how to describe him. Soft boy rap. He's amazing. His songs have a lot of twists and turns and his songs like, I don't know if this is the right wording, but like his songs have different riff changes. I don't know if riff is the right word. Maybe that's an oopsie daisy of the week, but it's like, it'll be like do, do, do. And then it'll be like, do, do, do. You get it. You get what I'm saying? It switches a lot between rap and singing and like different instrumentals. And it's just really a journey. I love Kevin Abstract. Here's his vibes. This is probably the most specific I've ever gotten about anybody. And I stand by this. The vibes of Kevin Abstract would be walking in a city around sunset time people are walking around you you're having a great time you can see the city you have to cross the street there's a slight wind but you can see the sunset and the sunset makes you smile just a tiny bit like a little smirk because you know that everything's going to be okay because the sun sets and the sun rises and that is kevin abstract for me would recommend listening to the song peach the song empty Georgia, Baby Boy, all of them. All his songs are good. They they will take you for a journey, though. Don't expect mainstream. Don't expect it. We love Kevin Abstract. Okay, moving on to Netflix movie review of the week. I'm going to review a movie that me and my mom just watched called Black and White with Kevin Costner and some others. It was on Netflix. Um, honestly, it really... What, it was a good movie. Threw me for a loop. It, it's about a guy who is white and takes care of his granddaughter who is mixed. The movie starts off in the exact moment that the the grandfather's 
wife passes away so he has to figure out how to take care of this little girl all by himself and you kind of slowly find out throughout the movie what happened to his daughter like the girl's mother and the girl's father what happened to his her dad's side of the family I don't know it's just very complex the movie is mostly about a custody battle but it has a lot of plot twists I wouldn't call them plot twists because they're like small plot twists but you just figure out a lot of stuff that's going on um very complex kept my attention the whole time hits on a lot of racial themes which I think is important one being the whole I don't see color mentality that the grandfather has which is obviously not going to help him raising a mixed daughter when he just says oh I don't see color but you can kind of like see that in themes like when he's trying to comb her hair and when he can't figure out um you know how to talk to her about these racial things like it's just a really interesting movie I would give it a 7 out of 10 because like it wasn't the best movie I've ever seen would I watch it again probably not but was it fine yeah it was fine it was good what I, I mean I would recommend it to a friend that was like desperate for a movie Okay, that's all she wrote. Our challenge this week, folks, is to check out your LinkedIn. Yes, I said LinkedIn. We didn't mention LinkedIn, but this is a challenge directly from the mouth of Emily Tackle. She said to add three people to your LinkedIn network or to update your LinkedIn or to get a LinkedIn because LinkedIn is cool. I use LinkedIn a lot when I was looking for a job. Granted, it didn't get me the job that I have now, but it's really nice to have LinkedIn and network and just have that at your fingertips. So work on a LinkedIn, get a LinkedIn if you need any comments or I'm sorry if you need any tips or anything like that there's plenty on Google you can message me I can get in contact with Emily you let me know what you need but get up on LinkedIn get up in their network I hope y'all have a great week I'm sending good vibes and energy through the phone and there's one thing we have to do and I would love if you could take it away ma'ams go make your beds Mm -hmm.